Episode 180, everybody, with Gary Chaney, the bodybuilding coach who joined me to talk about all things bodybuilding, the lifestyle, all the commitments, the hard work, the sacrifice that goes into it, and what it takes to really succeed, the pitfalls, the mind, the mental. Fantastic conversation, fantastic insight, and of course, we sprinkled in a little UFC talk. We could have gone for hours, and uh, no doubt Gary will be back for another episode, but this one we focus predominantly on bodybuilding and the fitness industry um, overall. So thanks, Gary. Appreciate it. Check him out, guys. We've linked him in the show notes. And uh, as always, please continue to share, subscribe, follow, rate, review. Uh, really appreciate all, all the support from everybody. With that said, here he comes. Please welcome the one and only Gary Chaney. The Optimal Life. All right, brother. Welcome to the show. We had a little difficulty, so we are getting off of zoom and we're doing this audio only but uh how you been my man i've been good man just uh busy with the the, the grind of life that's about it just day in and day out i got something going on so just uh just working my way through trying to knock everything out why is life such a grind um you know i got a i got a four-year-old kid who <laughs> who uh, keeps getting sick in one capacity or another, so we've been in the hospital a lot lately. Um, yeah, I got my own uh, bodybuilding team where I work with uh, about 30 people, trying to get people ready for the stage or, or getting them together after they've been on the stage. And then, uh, you know, I got a, a full-time job on top of that, and, and I'm trying to get myself ready for the stage. So just trying to balance it. It's a, it's a big balancing act. It's funny because when we were younger, you don't realize it's one of those things as we're coming up and going through middle school and high school. It just seems like, oh, adulthood, oh, it's just another step in the process. No big right, deal, right? I can't right? wait to get there. Yeah, I can't wait to get there. Don't have to do reports and homework. Can't wait to do it all. And then we get, and then we get here, and it's like, holy shit, man! Like, oh my. God gosh what happened to those nights where you can just close your eyes on the pillow and and watch a monday night football game right and just do actually you close your eyes you actually go to sleep and the worst thing you can dream about is the test the next day that's it right you, you, exactly like 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 either either the test or that or the chicks tells you no she's not going to prom with you Right. I gotta ask her to prom tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> like these were the real problems at that point in our life, and we just thought yeah. that we just thought that like those would be the same problems that follow us into our adult lives. Talk about anxiety. Oh my gosh! <laughs> when you first, when you had your first, you have a child, like you said, and yeah. uh, it's amazing how the day that that child comes into the world, you as the parent automatically your life changes in a split second and you don't even know it oh it's you know i was just having this conversation today and with somebody um but yeah there's just you know it changes <laughs> probably shouldn't say this live but it changes for the better and for the worse in some cases um and it just depends on your outlook on life um you know when i say for the worse meaning you know you don't have the free time you used to have uh you know if you're married I, I constantly have i constantly hear you know in my line of work i hear people saying you know me and my wife got to get it in when we get it in because the kids are always around um you know so things like that uh, you know where your your kids have to become the priority you can't just get up and travel the way you you could have when you were uh 
uh, fresh out of college or, you know, things like that. But on the flip side of things, kids put things into a lot of perspective for you. You know, if you were younger and you were going out every weekend and doing this and doing that, you know, that, that kind of goes out the window. Um, you know, you got to balance your finances better. And, and one thing I'll always say, and that holds true to me is, uh, I don't care how tough you thought you were before you had a kid, especially if you have a girl, uh, it turns you into the biggest softy imaginable. Um, just little, <laughs> the littlest thing you see something on TV and you're like, why, what's running down my face right now? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I mean. Um, it's that, that moment that that child comes into the world the way you as a parent think, feel, and act, immediately everything changes. You don't know it yet. You don't know it until you are sitting there watching some silly movie and you start crying for no reason. Right, absolutely not. <laughs> you, you don't know it until until you have to get on a plane for the first time and all of a sudden you're, you're riddled with anxiety because you're actually thinking like, oh my God, if this thing goes down, how is this little human going to survive without me? Right. Like, th- like those are the types of things that before you have kids don't even cross your mind. Yeah, you you drive more careful. You 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 just make better decisions all the way across the board because what? now there are actual consequences, and it's not just you that's affected. That's so true. Yeah, everything so. everything is different. So she, she's she's a motivator to you. You you're a provider. Uh, you're a full time. You've got this full time career, and and you're involved in like this health and wellness space. You're doing multiple things, which I want to get into. Um, the biggest thing, of course, is, is the bodybuilding training and coaching. So, how, how did you get, you know, the the the, the Cliff's Notes version? How did you get into this industry? Uh, Cliff Note version. I uh, I started competing uh, back in 2006. Found some success. Um, around two, took a little bit of time off due to an injury. Around 2012, I. Um, I competed again, did well. I had a, a buddy ask me, hey, can you prep me? I said, uh, never prepped anybody. I, you know, I have all the notes from prepping my, or being prepped and prepping myself. Um, he goes, I don't care. That's fine. So I prepped this kid. His name was John, and uh, he did really well. And then a referral came from him. Then a referral came from that person. And then it just started rolling. And here we are in 2021. And uh, I've worked with men, women, uh old young you name it all divisions uh so it's that's where it's developed now and you know at some point i had to come up with a once i started getting busy enough i was like man i should come up with a a team name and naturally i wanted to use something with a g being that my name is gary um so i came up i'm like what's a g something fitness related i was like jeans nah gin genetics okay i can do that but i can't spell it the same so i called it uh genetics trained genetics um, genetics genetics trained and and ran with it and uh now you know you hashtag it on instagram there's over a thousand posts on it and you know all my clients use it and it was just something i literally was sitting there and started hashtagging on instagram and everybody started using it so when you say that you now and they're like hey aren't you uh mr genetics trained to you (laughs) <laughs> on Instagram, I'm like, yeah, that's, my name's Gary, but yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, listen, that's called branding, and you've done yeah, something. Exactly. You've done something right with that. So you talked about John as your first client. When you say that you prepped, what exactly does that mean? Uh, so as a coach, uh, it's, it's just like really any other sport. 
except for it's a little more uh, a lot a lot more detail. So, you know, let's let's use you. Uh, UFC because I'm sure we'll talk about that you know we'll use Stipe Stipe has a boxing coach he has a jiu-jitsu coach he has a uh, strength and conditioning coach a dietitian so on and so forth I'm I cover all those areas for my clients so posing they're gonna pose with me they're gonna um, I'm gonna write their diet uh, up until recently I wrote everybody's workouts um, so I kind of am the one-stop shop to getting everybody to that stage and I like to control as many variables as I can but now that I'm getting busier um, I, I need to start delegating and 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 you know kind of partnering up with some people here and there and figuring out how to optimize my time the best way I can so what are the what are the some of the most important variables that you like to keep control of someone that's just starting out in this industry what are the some of the high-level things that they need to be focusing on uh, as someone starting out in the industry, you need to, one, understand what you're getting yourself into. Bodybuilding is not a cheap sport. Um, you know, it, it's so popular right now just because you open Instagram and you see everybody competing. But then I'll meet somebody and I'll say, have you ever been to a show? And they say, no, but I've watched it on YouTube. That's not the same. You need to go to a show and see if that's something realistic for you. You need to know... Um, if you can follow a meal plan day in and day out, whether you're looking at macros or whether you're following a, sh a strict plan, you need to know that you can commit to the gym. You need to know that life events aren't going to um, derail you from your success. You don't have a wedding coming up. You don't have um, a, a birthday coming up. You know, And if you do, you're still focused on the task at hand. You got many more birthdays after. Uh, it's not, you know, it's not smart to plan a wedding while you're in prep. Um, you know, so just just being well informed as to what you're getting yourself into before you get into it, and then beyond that, hiring a coach, mm -hmm. because there are going to be question marks. And instead of reading a thousand different opinions on YouTube, you know, you got somebody that's worked with people, multiple people. Use them, pay the extra money, and use them, and 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 learn from them, and then maybe go off on your own. But you know, it's just a. It's just a learning curve. You say macros versus a strict diet plan. What, what are some examples of macros? Uh, so macros, those are basically when coaches give you your carbs, fats, and proteins. And I'm going to keep this simplified, but they give you your carbs, fats, and proteins, your intake on the day, and it's up to you to put the puzzle together as to what that looks like. So if it fits your macros is what they call it, um, then you can essentially eat it. And that means if you want to eat chicken, you know, as, as the saying goes, bodybuilders eat chicken and broccoli. You want to eat chicken and broccoli all day, um, you're probably going to eat a lot of food to fill those macros. But if you want to eat chicken, broccoli, you go out, you have a burger, um, you know, you have a dessert or something, those macros get filled a little bit quicker. So those carbs, fats, and proteins are all distributed amongst all those foods. So that's what we're talking about when we're talking macros. Um, and, and there's some very, very successful coaches out there that use macros. It's not really my style at all. Um, but then you have coaches that are strict. And by strict, I mean you eat the same food every single day, day in and day out. Um, I'm more inclined to use that 
because my, my biggest reasoning is because you can control the variables. So if I had you on a macro plan, for example, and you come back and you say, you know, my stomach is bloating, it's upset, whatever, and it happened after meal three, well, I know what you ate in meal three. I know that meal one and two, you were good. Meal three, when you had the chicken and the sweet potato, that's when you started to bloat. Well, then let's start with meal three and, and see if, let's remove the sweet potato. Now, if you say, hey, Gary, I was following my macros, and on Monday I ate all these different things, and then on Tuesday I ate a whole different meal plan, but it all still fit my macros, I have no idea where to go with that. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, again, you you have people that are very successful just following macros, and, and I don't knock you know, people for doing it. Um, it gives you a peace of mind because you get to eat. You get to be flexible with what you eat as opposed to eating like you're a dog and eating the exact same food every single day with small adjustments here and there. Mm. Um, but this, this sport's not built for the weak-minded, and I'm not saying you're weak-minded if you do macros. I'm just saying that <laughs> I think it takes a whole different breed of a person to do uh, a strict plan day in and day out. So what's an example of a strict plan that you typically employ? Uh, I can't give you an example only because if let's just say I was working with you, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to send you a food list. Um, you know, you, you'll read, you read on Instagram, you read anywhere, you know, uh, this coach out there, he sent me a cooker cookie cutter plan. It was the same plan he sent my buddy John three months ago. Mm. Well, what I do is I send you a food list and in that food list, it's going to have, 15 different proteins it's going to have uh you know 12 different carbs it's going to have x amount of fats and then out of that i'll say pick four pick three of these pick four of these and so on you pick you literally pick your food so unless two people luck out and pick the exact same foods it's impossible for anybody to have the exact same food plan got it and then from there i put it together based on the foods they want to use now do i use everything they pick no um, it all has to fit and, and, and work, but I, at least, you know, I take their input because who wants to eat? If you're going to eat the same stuff every day, I at least want you to enjoy it as long as you can. Yeah. So I, and I imagine that as people are in uh, camp or I don't know exactly what you call it, but when you're training for a show prep. prep. So when you're in, in for that show prep, how long is that typically? How many months is that? Uh, it depends on how out of shape you are when you start it. Is there an, a normal? Is it four weeks, eight weeks? Uh, uh, I'll say the typical preps are anywhere from about 12 weeks on the short end, 10, 12 weeks on the short end, up to six months. Wow. Okay. So you're talking about uh, two and a half, three months, up to six months, Correct. Dep depending on the person and the situation. Correct. So do you typically. Do you. If, and it, go ahead. I'm sorry. Do you typically start them. Um, heavy in one area, like protein heavy versus carb heavy, and, and do you get to? Does it change throughout the cycle? So that was actually what I was about to touch on next. Um, and again, everything I speak on, I, I'm I'm one of those coaches. I don't like to put things up for debate. I do things the way I do them, and other coaches can do things the way they do them. I, you know, there's coaches out there that I think are better than me, and I and I think that I do a better job than than some coaches. But at the end of the day, 
it's a it's it, we're constantly learning sure so the the point i'm making is in my opinion every single person you work with should have an off season as a coach if 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 i were to meet you and you said you wanted to compete and hey there's a hey gary there's a show in 12 weeks you think we can be ready no we can't be ready even if you're in great shape theoretically yes we probably could be ready but I don't know anything about your body, so I might waste the first month just trying to learn what you respond to. I might waste the first month uh, just uh, building a relationship with you where we actually mesh and get along. Um, so what we do in that off season is we look to build up your calories because mo- in most cases people are under eating. So you know if you wrote down everything you ate today, you'd probably see that you really didn't take in that many calories. And maybe you were busy today. Maybe you, this is how you you function day in and day out. But in most cases, people aren't taking in a lot of calories. So what we do is we go into an off season and we look to build um, those calories up and we look to improve on those weak areas based on whatever division you know a client is competing in. And then once we get you know to the point that we're built up, you know if if I had a a, a girl come in at. Uh, I think she was taking in about 1,200 calories a day, and we got her all the way up to about 2,300. Uh, so now, when she diets down, when she diets down and finishes, she finishes at 14, 1,500. She finishes at more calories than what she started her plan with. Mm. So the idea is to build you up, to break you back down. At that point, I've learned your body. I learned what you respond to. I learned your personality. Um, I know what you are allergic to. I know what makes your stomach feel bloated. I know all these different variables as opposed to trying to figure them out on the go. And so to answer your original question, after we've had this buildup phase, everything's at, at max levels. Your carbs are all the way up. Your proteins are up. Your your fats are up. Then we start to taper away. And each person's different. So there's no blanket answer for that. Some people, you know, so, some clients, if you have their, their protein too high, they, they start to bloat. They have digestion issues. Some clients uh, get tired if you, if they have too many carbs. You give them lots of fats, and they're like, I'm energetic. Um, some clients don't respond well to not having a lot of carbs, and their energy drops off. So it just it, it re- that's what the off-season is, just learning all those ins and outs of what works for that person. So when you're in that uh, prep training, the clients in the prep training, and let's say it's six weeks out from competition, this is an intense point in time what's a typical how many times a a, a day and per week are they working out what are you having them doing generally speaking uh generally speaking uh, all my clients train i like them to lift five days a week with two um rest days from lifting but they're still active with cardio um so seven days a week of activity seven days a week of activity correct Mm. now in very rare instances, I'll have a client train three, four days a week with a couple completely inactive days in there and a couple cardio-only days. And the only time you typically see that is um, if I have somebody that doesn't sleep at night. You know, I got two people right off the top of my head to get one girl. She works a, a midnight shift, um, so her sleep patterns are all over the place depending on if she if she's off or not. Um, but even if she, even if she sleeps, she doesn't, 
she doesn't really sleep all that well. She she has to force herself to get anywhere from four to six hours of sleep. And I got another one that's just high, strong, all go 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 all day. Um, that's just how she's wired, and she's lucky if she sleeps three hours a night. So and, and she's a workhorse, so she'll just go go go. She'll she'll train her butt off. She looks the part. Um, she does well when she competes, but I literally have to make her rest um, because we hit walls if she doesn't. And when I say hit walls, meaning we get stuck with our progress. It's amazing how this this career that you're in, this coaching p- position, uh, people that are in your shoes, it's very complicated because there is no one size fits all. Everything Not at all. Is so Every single different. person is different. Every single person is different. From the, yeah, from um, the nutrition and, and and all you're doing is you're starting with a baseline, and it's a guessing game. It's it's like, it's literally like going to the doctor and you say you're sick and you got all the symptoms of the common cold, and they give you cold medicine and next thing you know it, it was really lung cancer and they had no idea. You know what I mean? So I, I, that's an extreme example, but the the point I'm making is, for each person you deal with it's guesswork you're starting at a baseline and then you're seeing how they respond and then you adjust from there and sometimes the adjustments are more extreme for one person than they are for the next are there certain muscle groups that you're typically with again these are all general generally speaking things because again we just touched on not it's not one size fits all but are there muscle groups that you're working together on the same days and is it kind of standard across the board for all your clients no, so uh, one thing I tell my clients is you you pick how you want to, you know, what muscle groups you want to pair together. Um, because I don't want anybody telling me what muscle groups I have to pair to gr- together. And the reason I think that's very important is because we all recover different. Um, we all have different aches and pains and so on. So the, the example I always use with my clients, because they'll always ask me, do you want me to train arms with shoulders or do you? how do you want me to do it? I say, you do it the way you want it. You want to do it. I just need you to train five days a week. Um, but for me, because that's the easiest example I can use, my low back gets really tight, uh, especially it gets really tight on a back day and it gets really tight on a leg day. So I know if I train legs at the beginning of the week, for example, I hit legs yesterday on Monday. I'm not set to hit back again until Friday. So I have to keep those completely separate just so neither of my workouts are affected negatively. So I let them pair things together based on how they how they recover or based, you know, based on their training schedule and so on. And again, this is not stuff you're going to learn overnight. This is a this is a relationship that takes time to evolve so that you truly understand what's making what's better for these people and, and how they're optimizing exactly correct yeah what are some of the what are some workouts what are some non-negotiables what are some of your favorite workouts that that clients must do and must focus on to get their body to an optimal state um that again is another difficult question because there's no blanket answer for that. So, which ones do you like? What do you What do you like for yourself? You, you look at that individual, and you you break down what their weak areas are for the division that they're going to be in. So, if you get a bodybuilder who's just he's all bodybuilding up top, stacked, jacked up top, but his legs are quite there, then 
we know we're probably training legs twice a week. <laughs> maybe maybe three times depending on how his body's recovering. What what are what are the workouts you Gary that you do for yourself? What are some of your favorites? Um I love training back. That's probably my strongest area. Um I got some shoulder issues, but I, I like training shoulders. Um I mean workouts themselves. What type of back I my, exercise? I, I myself have a coach, so I do what I'm told. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, he has me. He has me do high reps, very very high reps on everything. Lots of volume. Um, I don't necessarily love that mode of training, but that's, I'm. I like to think I'm coachable, so I do what I'm told to do and 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 get it done. Um, and the results come with it. So <laughs> obviously something's working. What are some of the back exercises that you typically like to do? What was the last? Some of the what? The back. You said you like focusing on back. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, I, man, I love I love my bent over rows. I love T bar rows, um, straight arm pull downs. I, I like pretty much everything back as as long as my back holds up. What's the most important? Is there is there a more important area of the body when these guys actually get to competition, um, and, and the judges are there? What typically stands out that pushes somebody ahead of the pack? Uh, first and foremost, I would probably say conditioning, um, how lean they are. So even if you're not the biggest guy on the stage, if you're lean and, and, and dry and, and all those things, then, uh, you're going to stand out right away. Now, if you get another guy that's not as lean as you, but he has way more muscle mass, then, um, you know, then you're, you're, you're probably battling for second place at that point or you know he's probably getting first and you're probably looking at second but it really it also depends on the judging panel that day and what they're looking for what the criteria is that they're looking for every judging panel is a little bit different what one judge might deem to be first place another judge might see a second place so um you know it just it just there's just so many variables that go into it like like i said it's you know one show you might win at one show versus uh you and I might compete at one show together and I get first place and we go to a different show with a different set of judges and you get first place. Oh, hey brother, let me let me let me interrupt you. Uh I, that that would never happen in this lifetime. Okay. Okay. I would actually have first place in both shows. So exactly. I don't even know, I don't even know why I use that. Even <laughs> um it's incredible. It's so competitive. Is there money to be made now in this industry? How does that work? Uh, there is. There's money to be made. Um, you know, I just had a client compete this weekend that won a couple hundred bucks, uh, closer to a thousand bucks for uh, for placing, and that wasn't even first place. And then, um, you know, that the where the money really comes is when you're an upper level competitor. By upper level, I mean you're one of the top three four five in the in the world and you have endorsements from this this company and that company and you're on this company's magazine and 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 so on um not to mention you have a crazy following so mm-hmm. with us being a social media driven um country nowadays that's a lot of people find the money outside of outside of competing so they compete you know or for somebody that isn't as well known just to have that IFBB status signifying that you're a pro, 
you're gonna if you train people you're gonna pick up more people just based on your status or based on your look or whatever so it just really depends on what your driving force is behind how you make your income in relation to bodybuilding yeah maybe you have a clothing line maybe you know there's there's a lot of avenues a supplement line well there are now especially with the instagram like you said and all the social media craze um you probably don't even you could probably make there's probably people making more money just from online endorsements and deals with other brands than they are doing these shows i would imagine that that that's common now and uh like when i see these gym shark athletes for example like these people have followings like a million followers and i just wonder like how are they sustaining a living is it all through is it gym shark paying them or wh what's going on I couldn't even tell you, man. I, uh, I think, you know, I think some of these bigger companies do throw money towards their athletes in some capacity or another. I mean, obviously they get free product and things like that, but um, I think they do throw money towards some of these athletes. Mm -hmm. You know, depending on how many people use their discount codes and and all that stuff, um, but. You know, some some companies just just give you free product, which is really no sweat off their back, because they they're not really spending. You know, if I get ten people to use my code and you throw me a free T-shirt, what do we care? Right. What do we care? We gave you a T-shirt. Right. Is there something common, like that, a lot of people across the board struggle with and you're like oh here we go again is there something that you just fi find that somebody they run into a wall or is it the mindset what what is it that holds most people back even once they're oh, in the training i'm going in this topic forever uh <laughs> um bodybuilding is a very um it, it plays tricks on your mind i don't care who you are you can be the most strong-willed, strongest-minded person there is. Uh, you'll get that that doubt in your head where you don't think you're going to be ready or you don't think you look as good as you do or um, you start researching and seeing who's going to be at your show and you justify why this person's physique is better than yours. Mm. Half these people filter stuff anyway, so they look 10 times better on Instagram. They get to the show and they look worse. Um, so I think... You know, again, this comes down to coaching. I, I tell my guys and girls, I say, hey, you're doing this show. There's no need to go hashtag the show and see who's going to be in your at the show and hope that this person is not in your class and so on. It, it, what's the point? They're going to be if they're going to be there, they're going to be there. You, you got to face them either way. What are you going to do back out the show? So I don't waste my time looking up um, who's going to be at the shows and things, you know. Unless, I'd be lying if I said I don't waste my time. I, every once in a while, I'll plug it in and see who's going to be there or whatever. If, if anybody, that's assuming somebody posts. But um, I don't obsess over it. Yeah. When I was younger, you know, I'm plugging in that hashtag every day, seeing if anybody put a new post up. And then you find somebody and you're like, is he my height? Is he my weight? Oh, is he doing the same division as me? Um, so... It just comes down to having a strong mind, uh, setting your mindset to 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 the task, you know, and not letting anything get in the way. Not, you know, not letting the fact that you want to sleep in in the morning instead of doing cardio. Not letting the fact that you know you decide to go out with your friends on a Saturday night and they're like, "Hey, just take one shot. One shot won't hurt." Um, or one shot turns to ten shots. 
Um, you know, you go on vacation you're with your family, pack your food, grocery shop while you're there. Like there's, there's ways to make it work. Uh, but people always find an excuse one way or another. And, uh, and another thing about being coachable in any sport is just follow the directions. It is written on a piece of paper that you're paying for. Why pay to follow your own plan? I will never understand uh, the motivation behind that. Like, I, I catch people all the time, mostly because they're dumb enough to post it on Instagram. <laughs> but I catch people all the time doing stuff that's not written in their plan. Oh, I know I was supposed to be on the stair mill, but uh, my legs are tired, so I, I felt like doing the bike today. I, if I wanted you to do the bike, I'd say do the bike. Everybody's legs are tired. Like, let's go. Do what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Like, that's what you signed up for. That mind. So. It's the mind. We, uh, The brain is our most powerful muscle. And it's the thing that so often holds us back from really accomplishing things that we're setting out to accomplish. It's that. It's almost like that comparison is the thief of joy thing, where you're just like... I'm going to go online today and look around and I, you know you're going to find people that look better than you. Yeah. And the sad thing is, man, is that you might look the best in the world and guess what? You're still not going to believe it. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. so what's the point, right? I mean, that's the, it's almost like a, a rabbit hole that people probably go down with the social media stuff. Well, it's not even that. It, here's where things get really sickening that, you know, people miss and, and, and don't understand about this sport. You know, I get people every, I won't say every day, but I get people every month that come into my office at my work and they look at me and they're like, man, I want to look like that. Or, geez, what, what do you do for workouts? Or, you know, and, and this is when I'm at my worst. And I'm like, uh, you know, I, and I, you know, I don't brag about anything like, oh, you know, I just I, I just hold myself accountable. That's usually what I tell them. I don't tell my computer that I'm a pro in bodybuilding. I just, I, you know, I just hold myself accountable, whatever. And if they really start digging, then I'll say, yeah, I compete in shows. Um, but at the, I mean, at the end of the day, like me, you know, I, I have my own struggles and, and we, I guess as bodybuilders, we all have a, a, a certain level of body dysmorphia. So even for me, like, I was in Vegas earlier this year, and all my friends know I compete, whatever, and we're sitting there at the pool, it's 95 degrees out, and my mom was like, why, is your, why do you style your shirt on? And I'm like, eh, I just don't feel like taking it off yet. And it wasn't that I didn't feel like taking it off, or it wasn't that I was, wasn't hot, I'm sweating my balls off, it was, I didn't look the way I wanted to look. And even though my current look was better than 98% of the people out there, it wasn't good enough in my head. Mm. And so you set your own, and, and it's not to the point that I'm looking at my friends and like, yo, you look like shit, or, you know, looking around like, oh, I'm, I'm better than that guy or this guy or whatever. It was that I have my own standards because I've seen myself at 3% body fat. I, I know what that looks like on me. So when you're not in that realm, it starts to mess with your head a little bit. Yeah. And, yeah. and and people look at me like, are you serious right now? <laughs> like, look at your arms. They're veiny as can be. i like, dude, I, I know it's, it sounds weird, but you just, you start to develop that, that train of thought. And even, and it, the worst part is, you know, 
as a coach, you know, people hold you to a higher standard. So even when I compete, I don't really tell people that I'm in prep or that I'm getting ready to do a show because you're kind of idolized by your team. You're, you're leading the way and I can be beat on any given day. And, you know, to be beat as the leader of the pack, it, it, it can mess with you mentally. Even if, you know, they probably don't look at it that way, but in my head, because especially because I'm so competitive, it, it's almost like one of those things where you failed everyone. Wow. And I know, I know it's not the case, but, you know, I, I'll never forget I did the Arnold back in 2013. And like five or six people drive down. And I, I, I thought I looked fantastic to this day. I still think I should have did well. But um, I didn't do well. And and I wasn't mad that I didn't do well. I was mad that they came all the way down to support me, and I got beat. And I felt like I let people down, despite the, oh, my God, you look great. I don't want to hear that. I got smoked. Like, <laughs> And you drove all the way down here, spent money for the show. And, you know, so it, those are some of the things we battle with as competitors um, mm-hmm. that people just don't, you know, don't see day in and day out. And, and girls... You know, it's even worse for girls. Sorry, I, I ramble on, but um, it's even worse for girls. You know, they get done with a show. A guy doesn't mind packing on the fat. They're like, yeah, I'm getting fat. I'm getting strong. I'm eating good. It's great. Girls, they want to eat good and do all these things, but they have a, a lot of trouble coping with what the the end product is. Yeah, that's that's got to be extremely challenging for a female. Because you know how challenging it is for a male and, and, and this, how society puts pressures. I've, I've got um, uh, Bobby Franchot coming on with his girl. They should be coming on the podcast soon. You know them. What's the last name? Franchot. You know him and the, his, his girl. Franchot. Franchot. I'm pretty sure you know them. But, um, Maybe. Anyway, yeah. But, yeah, they're, they're coming on with uh, – she's, she's a competitor. She's a Brazilian, uh, you know top-ranked competitor i can't imagine man what yeah i mean just the especially these girls that you know have you know x amount of thousand followers and you know all these things they got all these people looking up to them constantly messaging them telling them how good they look and stuff you know and then you compete and you have a whole different body two months later and all of a sudden she's in sweatshirts all the time and and so on and so forth so and as a coach it's hard to um you can you can do all the positive reinforcement you want but those girls see a different picture oh for sure that's probably one of the toughest aspects of your job is is the mental and the emotional uh ramifications that these people are experiencing and you having to deal with that and kind of keep them their head above water keep them confident keep them from self-destructing you mentioned yep. uh, you mentioned two different things there though real quick I want to touch on because I think they were a little bit different I think I think you, you mentioned two different demons if you will that you deal with personally one was the the latter one was the hey I let my family or friends whoever came down to spend time and money I let them down because I didn't do as well and that the fear of letting people down that's probably common I think for most athletes whether they're at any level I mean especially at a professional level like these people traveled across the world to come see me and we lost or I, I didn't do a good job and I feel I feel like crap there's that but the one that's that's and I think that's probably a healthy thing for you Gary and anyone else that feels that way but 
the one that's unhealthy and scary and the one that you have to tame is the first one you talked about. It's that, hey, I I have 12% body fat today. I'm not going to take my shirt off here in Vegas. Amongst all these people, I probably look the best at this entire pool. But in my mind, something is telling me that I don't look like I did at 3%. And therefore, I want to, I, I don't know, something's off. I can't enjoy the moment. That, to me, is the one that's like... Right? And, and I would 100% agree with you. Um, yeah, it, it's, again, it's it's not that heavy of a toll on me. Like, it's like, dude, take your shirt off or don't take your shirt off. Two drinks in and, and your shirt's coming off either way. Um, yeah. But, it, you know, it's not it's not something, it's not like a phobia where I'm like, oh, guys, I'm not going to the pool today because I don't want to feel pressured to take my shirt off. It's, it's, it's not even, it's not that serious at all. Um, it's just, yeah, it's, it's almost a, it's part of, it's an accountability thing where, you know, you're not where you want to be. Um, but part of it's, uh, part of it's a sickness uh, just based on this sport and I'll call it what it is. Um, and I wish my mind didn't think that way, but no, but it's good that you recognize that your mind's thinking that way. It's not, I'm not really even focusing on just you. It's more so the big analogy, the big picture. It's it's you're right because if if there's people that feel that way and then let it uh, control them, that's where you've lost you know you've lost control. But you you're like okay listen I know I'm feeling this way. I you have to almost recognize it right in that moment like okay stop thinking like this. You almost have to talk yourself through it and then realize like I look damn good. Right. And, and I think and one thing that is hard for people to relate to until they're in the bodybuilding world is the struggles with um, with eating post-show. And and a lot of that, you know, again, I'll give you another Vegas example. When I competed in 2019, I had two weeks to maintain the look I had. I said, okay, two weeks. That's 14 days. Come on, Gary, you got this. But my mind told me other things. My mind said, eat everything in sight. So, I got on stage at 167 when I turned pro, and two weeks later in Vegas, I was 198. Jeez. And you can imagine that 198 and 167 were two different looks for me, not an ab in sight. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and I'm talking to people like, I swear two weeks ago, I just turned pro, and it should, like, this, this was me two weeks ago. You're like, two weeks ago, I was eight-pack yeah, right? shredded, yeah. <laughs> Right, right, yeah, good one. No, no, really, <laughs> they're, they're, they're like, "Damn, dude, who's your?" Fo-? They're like, "Hey, Gary, who's your Photoshop guy? I need to use him." Right, you know. Well, hey, listen, man, it's it's amazing what you've been able to do and, and build, and you've got this uh, great clientele and all these people doing well and succeeding under your uh, guidance and coaching and etc. Um, I'd be remiss. Uh, we're already forty-five minutes in, almost. So I, I want to get this thing wrapped up, but uh, we have to talk a quick UFC, man. What was your take on uh, McGregor Poirier three? Um, I mean, there's there's not much to take away from it. The injury ended it all. It, I, I'll tell you what I took away from it. Uh, I think people are going to start getting away from these legs because these are potential. Uh, I'm sorry, these shin kicks. Um, these are potential career enders. You know, mm. Silva never was the same after. Sure, Weidman was on the uh, downslide anyway, so he'll probably be done. 
Yeah. Um, and and who knows what's going to happen with Connor because if he does come back from this and he gets beat again, he he might as well not come back. Unfortunately. Can, can McGregor ever be beat Por- Can McGregor ever beat Poirier at one fifty five? He can't beat him. Is he actually better than him? I don't believe so. Um, but you know, I've seen I've seen Poirier get dropped. Well, I remember and, when Poirier got knocked out by a lot of people. I remember when Poirier got knocked out. I think it was by Michael Johnson like five six years ago, which was yeah. shocking to me. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was my take on it. What did you think? I, I thought the same thing. I, I I see a guy with McGregor who's just. It's a strange, I don't know, if, it's not really a downfall, but it's a strange degradation in skills. It's a guy that, he's super talented, but you can just see he's not the same fighter that he was five, six years ago. It's just a different look. He's not He's not as crisp. When he fought Eddie Alvarez, when he fought Chad Mendez, that's when this guy was like, he was just right. scary. He was making these top-level guys look like nothing. He was scary. Yeah, he was clean and. Cr- I mean, when he fought Aldo, obviously that's when he was in. He was in a prime mental state, and and he was still building him. He was still. He wasn't lifetime money. So he wasn't set yet. Right. It was almost like after the after the uh, Mayweather event. I've just seen a guy who's just. He's still one of the best, probably top ten in the in the world. But the difference between one and ten, as you know, is is light years. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I that's what I saw. I'm just seeing a guy who's, he might have already came into that fight injured, but the universe kind of just works in these ways. It's it's almost like if you're not doing all the right things, um, this is a, this is the stuff that ends up happening. So I don't, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we never see him in the octagon again. Yeah, I, you know, he's well off um, and he, he's, he's definitely done his due diligence for uh, for the UFC um, yeah. in more ways than one. So, you know, he'll, he'll forever go down in infamy with this sport. But uh, like you said, I wouldn't be surprised if we never saw him again either. I just, I think regardless of how much money he has, I don't think that's the way he would want to go out. <laughs> right. He still is a competitor at the end of the day. Yeah, um, but, but so think, but think about this. He fought somebody... But, you know, like an Nate Diaz or something like that. Um, yeah. Which is enough to give him credibility um, <laughs> and enough to, you know, to, to to retire, you know. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's, yeah. It's hard to say. I got to tell you, the thing about that, what if he comes back, though, and loses again? That, yeah, that's what I was saying. If he loses again. <laughs> you know, I mean, he, he might as sometimes stop while you're ahead. I mean, you know, because who's he going to fight? He's going to have to still fight a guy like Justin Gaethje or uh, I don't know uh, Chandler. These guys, these guys are better than him right now. He. he I got a uh, I got a question for you. Yeah. Since we're on the topic, <laughs> we can leave it alone. Um, Steve Page just finally spoke up on not getting the first crack at uh, Ngannou. What are you, and and at first I was completely supportive of it and I, and I still am but in reading through the the threads that was on MMA Junkie um 
you know, a lot of people had some rebuttals to it, and I don't think their argument was strong enough for him not to get a rematch, mm-hmm. but they did make some valid points. But what's your opinion on him getting the rematch? Well, I mean, I, I think that he definitely is deserving of it. He 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 had the most title defenses at the in the heavyweight division ever in the in the UFC. Um, he was a great champion. I do believe he deserves it. Now I'm not upset that they're giving it to somebody else. I think the Derek Lewis is. I think it's a garbage matchup because Derek Lewis and and Francis one was, are, I mean, it could have been one of the worst fights of all time. I mean, it was not even a. It wasn't even a fight. Um, nobody touched each other. It was terrible. It was terrible. So it's shocking that it's it's we're back here again. So in that right, I I, I think he, he I do think he was deserving of a of a rematch. I really do. And you know what? It was a one to one. Why don't you settle the score? They just did the same thing with Poirier McGregor. And that's that was well. Uh, Stipe's argument was: Didn't we give Cormier uh, a chance for a third one? Sure. Like. Sure. You know, yeah, and, and it was a valid point. But then this is what the people were saying. They're like, yeah, but Cormier, number one, when Cormier beat you, he knocked you out. Number two, you had one of the most embarrassing knockouts in title fight history. So, and you know how the UFC is. If if it's not a if it's a dominating win, they just you know you move on. Yeah, I think Stipe is going to have to put on some some weight somehow to fight this guy. I mean, yeah, he, he looked too you know, lean. But, right? Yeah, I would I would agree. Um, the problem is Ngannou is such an athlete. It, it's, you know, know you got to be task. able to move. And, and, <laughs> and avoid yeah. it. it's, it's like a lose-lose situation. If you're too slow, you get hit. If you're too light, he's too powerful. It's, you know, it's... I, I'm interested to see what Cyril Gan does when he... Uh, when he gets up there, because I, I think uh, I think somebody like him will be able to control the distance with Ngannou and not get hit. Um, and we've never really seen Ngannou hit. No. So you know, what's his chin look like? Yeah, yeah. Well, you, listen, I I honestly would love to. We, we you and I could probably do it. We should do another podcast. <laughs> we should do another podcast. You come over, we'll hang out, and we'll sit and talk shit about UFC literally for an hour. I, yeah, I, we I'm should do that. that. We should do that for sure. Um, but anyways, hey man, this is this is very interesting stuff. Uh, uh, social media, Instagram. Where can people find you? Uh, let's go uh, Instagram all day, uh, Mister G N E T I C S trained. Uh, that's Mister Genetics trained. The number two U Y O U. Mister Genetics trained to you. And for anyone that doesn't want to go back and listen to that, we'll just tag you in the show notes. So that, so they could just click the link and you can go see Gary's page, see all the things he's doing, the training, the the shows, uh, the lifestyle. It's a it's a it's a full lifestyle, right, brother? This is a life. It's a complete lifestyle, and all we did was touch on the very very basics of it. That's exactly right. And and next time you come on, we'll talk a little bit more too about uh, some of your past and and your upbringing and and where you are today. So, yeah. Hey, man, this was great. Thanks so much, and uh, obviously I'll be seeing you soon. Cool. All right, my man. I appreciate you having me on.